Hi, this is John Sablon, one half of To Have and To Hold Podcast, and Nicole and I are so very blessed that you decided to join us on this journey to improve your marriage, your family life, and your relationships. Now, as a disclaimer, Nicole and I are not perfect. We're not your counselors, and we don't desire to be your spiritual directors. What we do desire, though, is to lend this podcast as an opportunity for us to journey together in holiness and virtue, and to share our experiences of, of marriage and family life and what we've learned, what we've encountered, so that it may bless you and your family and your relationships. Now, if you disagree, or if your experience is different, or perhaps if we say something in mistake or in error, you are free to absolutely reject it, my dear brother and sister in Christ. So we just wanted to leave that with you, and we thank you again for your your support, and most especially your prayers. So please share, like, subscribe, leave us a comment, and let us know how God is blessing you through this podcast. May God bless you and keep you always. If I'm saying, open up, just talk to me, (laughs) what's going to happen? Nobody wants to talk to you. You're frantic and you're scaring me, (laughs) right? Welcome back to another episode of To Have and To Hold. We welcome you all back for part two of The Elephant in the Living Room. As always, I am accompanied by my beautiful, beloved bride. Hi, baby. Hi, bud. So grab your glass, your favorite drink, and we are toasting today to healing, Mm -hmm. which we pray we all are going through in some way, shape, or form, especially after this episode. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so in part one of The Elephant in the Living Room, we talked a little bit about conversion, but specific to what we learned about in the ACE study or the Adverse Childhood Experience. Hopefully, you guys took away from that. Maybe you watched that video. Hopefully, you had some good dialogue, especially just coming off the Family of Origins discussion and really started to use that and leverage that to bring about awareness and healing in your own life. Mm-hmm. And so. Remember, we talked about the 10 different aspects of ACEs. There was the abuse side, there was a neglect side, and there's a household dysfunction. Some of us have more or less than others, but we know that about two-thirds of us are going through it. And we really wanted to kind of emphasize the, the beauty of our faith and the wisdom of Holy Mother Church in the prevention and really the remedy mm-hmm. to that, right? Avoiding continuing down the ACE cycle, if you will. Right, the trajectory. <clears throat> so then those ACEs do, do in fact... Um, bring about some particular behavior and health outcomes mm-hmm. um, that we don't want any of you to experience. Yeah. So that brought that awareness just brought so much appreciation, I would say, in the wisdom of the church and just following church teaching. Mm-hmm. So we talked about okay, so if you've experienced that and those childhood experiences emerge in a discussion, I think, in within your family, so what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Now what? Next, like, okay, John, we realized that we're all cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Just kidding. Um, but what do we do now? How do we mm-hmm. move forward in that? So we have some ideas in terms of what you don't do. Yeah. So <laughs> one of the things that you don't want to do is have the certain attitude or mindset that, you know, that happened to you when you're um, family. What do I have to do with it? Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't there when you were five or eight 
or 10. I didn't go to junior high with you when that, that issue with the abuse occurred. Mm -hmm. So why are you taking it out on me, mm -hmm. right? And really in those situations, again, it's not like, <clears throat> Um, again, it's an automatic response, so it's not that we're really thinking about it. And in fact, what happens is, I think I shared when you flip your lid, did I share that? We did, yeah. So maybe it's a, an appropriate time to go over it again. No, I think you should, I think you should. Yeah. So there, we talked about the amygdala, the, the fight, fight or freeze uh, response. And then we also talked about um, the, this is your prefrontal cortex, this is right here in your, in your um, your brain. This is where all the planning, organization, um, decision making, regulating emotions, all of that goes right here. But what happens is that when you get into really intense emotions, and we talked about um, why our brain is designed to do that, and we mm -hmm. talked about certain threatening situations, which is really life saving. And we mentioned the bear in the forest, we, mm -hmm. um, our daughter running out in a, maybe a busy street where there's a car coming, or when she was falling under the, you know, going under water, right? And she didn't know how to swim. <laughs> so you can see that in situations such as those, it's important for us to react automatically. Mm -hmm. Not think, not plan, not use this part of our brain. We don't need to. It's just really life-saving. But what happens is that when we experience toxic stress or diverse childhood experiences like abuse, neglect, maybe um, domestic violence, things of that nature, that automatic stress response system gets activated over and over and over. And we talked about how it's not meant to do that. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is every time it does, we flip our lid, we're not able to access this part of our brain. So it's really difficult to regulate our emotions. Now, when we are triggered and we flip our lid, again, we can't access this part of the brain. And so there are certain things you don't wanna do during this time. And that's in terms of the attitude, like, you know, I didn't have anything to do with it. But as, you're, as a spouse, or as a parent, we're trying to get our, our loved ones to heaven mm -hmm. and to experience God's love. Mm -hmm. And so having that attitude or mindset's not gonna bring any healing. In fact, it could re-trigger the person. Mm -hmm. So they're not gonna calm down, right? They're gonna stay, mm -hmm. their emotions will stay elevated and they can't access this. The other thing is you don't wanna provoke the person or become defensive. Mm so um you know sort of pushing a person away or knowing that there are certain things that trigger a response and maybe you, you you're doing it to get a rise out of them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. or becoming defensive you know like mm -hmm. okay so you're triggered why well, i'm not that person or i'm you know i i didn't do that i'm not your dad something right? like that i'm not the five guys that did that to you why do i have to pay for their sin right yeah. right and so that doesn't help anyone, right? Mm -hmm. So do you want to speak a little bit about... Yeah, I, I think... Well, I wanted to comment on that because I think it's a challenge. Um, I can't speak to the woman's side of it, but for men, like, you know, because we, we're, we fight with pride a lot and I think we tend to... to I, I'll speak from my own experience. I, I struggled, as I shared with you guys before, just taking things personal. I, I, knew, I had a, a bunch of the aces on the A score, honestly. And so there was that when Nicole's speaking to the... The trigger moment and just being, I flipped my lid a lot. Um, and so I couldn't exercise right judgment. I just had so many wounds. And I think to think the other person on the other side 
like you don't have your own set of issues and this is just their problem. Like, you know, what does this have to do with me mentality? I think it has everything to do with you. Mm -hmm. um, if you're a husband out there, you're responsible for protecting, defending, and serving your wife mm -hmm. and your children. You need to provide that safe place for them. Mm -hmm. uh, if your wife is the one that's more wounded, that you, she should, she's gonna already have a difficult time being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Because other people, perhaps the many men in her life, have failed her. Mm -hmm. And if you add to that list, you, you are part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the, the, the challenge. I mean, that's part of the reason why I spend a lot of time in men's ministry too, right? Is to try to help men realize that and, and, and you have a higher calling. So it's just having the right mindset and realizing that, man, yeah, you are, in, you are here to bring your wife and your children to heaven, to lead them. And you can't lead from behind. You can't lead by provoking. You can't lead by saying, it's not my problem. It's every part of your problem. Mm -hmm. When we take our vows, what do we say, right? We, we, we say, right, until death does us part. Mm -hmm. We say in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, for rich or for poor, you signed up for everything under the sun. And I think a part of this is especially when it comes to this knowledge. So maybe you've had some really healthy dialogue. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to our podcast and you're like, we got to stop listening to John and Nicole because they keep, un, you know, ripping off these, uh, uh, these scabs, off these wounds. No, this is a good part of healing and moving forward. And so mm -hmm. I just want to speak to the attitude, especially for us as men. I mean, not to say women aren't. Um, you know. Free from it. Yeah. And, and I think about, again, remember when we flip our lid in these situations, the <clears throat> underlying theme among all of them is that we don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And that's really where it triggers. So anything that in, when you're in an environment where you don't feel safe, perhaps it's, you know, that again, intense emotions where mm -hmm. a person doesn't feel safe. Um, I'll give you an example. There was a, um, a student that I was working with. Mm -hmm. And um, the teacher said, you know, I just want him to sit at his desk and do his work. Yeah, I mean, that's, that seems reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. But what does the child do? He hides underneath his desk, right? He would mm -hmm. hide underneath his desk. And so when I came in, what do you think he did? He saw somebody new, goes right underneath his desk. So, you know, because I, well, it doesn't matter. I worked with a child and he's... He's doing well now, but it, I know it doesn't make sense to us from our standpoint. And we think about, well, gosh, all the other children are at their desk and they're doing their work. Why is this child going underneath? Mm -hmm. Well, this child has experienced domestic violence. So when you're, there's domestic violence in the home, his, his mode of safety is retreating underneath furniture mm -hmm. that was safe for him. And so what happens is anything that's new um, or alarming for him, and I was coming into the room, so and I'm new, so it was a trigger for him to feel like, okay, I don't know what this person's doing, I don't know who this person is, I don't know what she's going to do, and so I'm gonna retreat to my safety zone, which is underneath furniture. And so that's exactly what he did. Mm -hmm. You imagine all the different novelty that goes on in a classroom. Mm -hmm. When you're learning new things, mm -hmm. you have different transitions, some unpredictability. And so for that child, it made sense for them to go underneath the desk. Mm -hmm. So you think about that in terms of when we, how we share difficult, um, just difficulties. We can be triggered and it seems like it's not safe 
And so we're going to retreat and whatever that looks like. Some of us feel like we're back in a corner and when we're back in the corner, what do you do in that fight, fight or freeze? You're mm -hmm. more likely to fight. Some of us freeze, some of us flee, right? Mm -hmm. It just depends. But the whole point is you're not accessing the, the you know, that part of your brain. And I think as, a, as both spouses, we're battle partners and we're supposed to provide safety. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be able to be vulnerable and and also provide safety for our children and allow our children to be vulnerable. Yeah, I was gonna, you know, the thoughts that come to my mind too, with our with our children. Mm -hmm. So definitely for spouses, and and I, I think about our children sometimes, that if you and actually spouses and children, if you see behavior that is just, it, it doesn't connect between what. Like somebody's response given the situation. Mm -hmm. Like, why did you just, why are you blowing it out of proportion? Out of proportion? Mm -hmm. There's going to be a temptation in our brokenness and our humanness to say, whoa, what the heck is wrong with you? Instead of going, wait a minute, mm -hmm. why, why is there such an intense response to this situation? Mm -hmm. So if it's our spouse, and maybe we can move into kind of one of the do, right? Is to like listen and and really seek to understand, mm -hmm. like, what is, what is happening right now? Right. Because all I asked you to do is take out the trash. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, I like that, you know, as you're giving that example, I, I recognize in your tone, as you're asking why, mm -hmm. is, you know, you're, you're calm. Mm -hmm. And I, I sense through a question like that, that type of tone and demeanor, that you really want to know. Mm-hmm. Now I can say to you, I can ask the same question, but I, what is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Then what would happen? Right now I provoked, I just, I just provoked mm -hmm. my spouse because I used the wrong t tone. Now I can turn around and say, well, John Nicole asked me, he's told me I should ask. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but there, again, we have to be aware of our nonverbals, our tone, our volume, our facial expression. It's really about seeking that understanding. Mm -hmm. And I have to do that with my whole, I have to be present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think listening, like one of the things you taught me, because I've sucked at this for such a long time, and I still struggle at certain times, is the listening piece, right? I, I struggle with pride, I struggle with talking, in case you haven't figured that out all the time. Um, but actually seeing beyond the emotion, and listening to actually what's going on, like going, wait a minute, that you just said something pretty profound right there. And we sometimes we just kind of gloss over it. We don't have time to deal with it. Um, you know, maybe I took offense to it or took it personal. I'm defensive, and now I just right. But like really listening to your spouse or your children, or maybe to a loved one, and be like, wait a minute, something mm -hmm. something's up here. Mm -hmm. Like what's what's going on? So if you listen to what somebody's saying, mm -hmm. um, and Actually, even beyond that, not just listening to what they're saying, but what they mean. Mm -hmm. What do I mean by that? I mean, sometimes what we say doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And then you're saying something's going on. Mm -hmm. This is not like them. This is not like you. Um, you know, a kid comes home and you say, have a school. It was whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you just take it like, I don't want to engage in this because I'm over here, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. not wanting. To, but no, that, you know, your kid might have been bullied. Your kid might have been uh yeah you know, uh, harassed, your kid might have been, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's a, actually a good, I mean, I think about this day and age where that's a huge possibility. I mean, even though we're not 
in this in this time going to school physically, but we have distance learning, but we have cyberbullying. Yes, yeah, social media, right? Oh my goodness! And so that's a that's a real thing. I remember when um, you know our daughter would go into her room, and and I thought, hmm, what's going on? And and so now I don't want to talk. Okay, so then I'd lay on her bed and just wait. And eventually she was going to open up, but what I was sharing with my nonverbals is I'm here for you when you're ready. Mm-hmm. And would it be something like a bullying situation? Whatever the case may be, it was important for me to try to understand where she's coming from and how it was affecting her. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes as adults, because we're so far removed from those experiences and the oh you know and the maturity you're going to move kids on kids will be or, kids or that's going to be part blah, blah. of development yeah, or something yeah. but recognize that it impacted our loved one in a way that we don't want it to mm-hmm. and how do we show that our child protect our child's dignity and how they move in a productive way in a healthy way from the experience mm-hmm. and we can only do that by coming alongside of them and being their Simon of Cyrene Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Yeah, I was going to say too, the opposite to that is being overly controlling, overbearing to where you actually cause and trigger the, some of the mm-hmm. trauma, mm-hmm. right? Because you're so um, worried about your spouse or your child uh, falling or, you know, in some tragic way or, you know, um, because they're not talk it's difficult it's just complicated right so because they're not speaking to you they're not opening up to you but you're going to press on them and you don't know if you're perhaps triggering a traumatic experience again um looking at your Mm nonverbals, if i'm saying open up just talk to me (laughs) what's going to happen nobody wants to talk to you frantic and you're scaring me (laughs) right so it's really again we have to check ourselves in our demeanor Mm -hmm. you talked about having that interior peace yeah which is so important. That's why we say, you know, make sure that you're accessing the, the sacrament in a way that the sacraments are going to work efficaciously is you have to be in a state of grace when you receive them. Mm-hmm. So going to confession on a regular basis, yeah. having the sacraments, having a strong prayer life, reading scripture and spiritual books, those are all going to help you. So when you're in those trying moments, yeah. you're going to be better equipped that hopefully your child or your spouse will experience the love of Christ through you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's so key because when we, um, we talk about bringing the faith elements into it, you know, sometimes we don't, we're not going to have the answer. Right. So listening and seeking to understand from their perspective, like, why was this such a traumatic experience for you? Mm-hmm. And putting yourself there, you know, we've, we've talked about compassion before and the meaning, right, means to suffer with and to really go there. But it, leveraging the, the, our, the beauty of our faith, mm-hmm. offering mass for that specific healing, mm-hmm. for that specific traumatic experience, um, fasting for healing for your spouse or your child, you know, prayer, doing, you know, a novena or 54-day rosary, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it takes, honestly, to combat these demons and, and struggles and trials and tribulations that we are exposed to and for our loved ones. I mean, that's where the, the power of prayer and the power of those sacraments can come into play. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. You brought up demons. Yeah. Because isn't that an entryway? It is. Yeah. If you think about the, the three most common ways, according to, um, I know I've mentioned this before in multiple talks. Uh, I read a book, uh, Father Mike Driscoll, and it was on... Um, it was like demons, deliverance, and discernment. And he, he's a psychiatrist, uh, a priest who's a psychiatrist and worked with a lot of exorcists. 
And in that, what he noticed in his studies was that there was three common ways that the devil enters into your life. The first being habitual sin, it's the easiest of them all, right? Just tempting us at our fleshful level. You know, whatever your vices may be, that's where the devil just has a field day with us. But the second was trauma or abuse, mm-hmm. right? And um, he enters into that. So being that 67% of us have experienced some traumatic childhood experience, the devil is having a field day with that. And so he's going to enter through that wound. And so when we see our spouse or our loved one or even ourself mm-hmm. just out of sorts, out of wits, out of just, just out of order and, and relative to God for, to the marriage, um, it, it's going to take everything we got, mm-hmm. everything that we have at our disposal, um, including some of the things we talked about as far as listening to them, understanding them. Again, seek the professional help that's necessary, if that's mental health, if that's medical, um, exercising empathy. That's been a huge struggle for me as a person. Personally, that's, that's one of the things I have to work really hard at is empathy, um, but I still strive at it because my wife and my children and other people need it. Um, and God has demonstrated so much uh, mercy, so I have to be able to just, it's not an excuse for me not to do it, right? Mm-hmm. I've got to do it. And then, again, the power of the sacraments and of, of, of a, a devout prayer life are mm-hmm. really key if we're going to bring healing um, from all of this, right, to, for one another and with each other. Mm-hmm. So when you say empathy, what do you mean? So what is empathy, and why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection, Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, I'm down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh huh. Uh, no, you want a sandwich? Um, empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice because, in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time. Because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So I had a miscarriage. At least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, 
I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. It's really entering, I think, into that, that place where, oh my gosh, there's nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. but just really be there and attentive. In fact, it speaks to, I remember um, working with a young man and I just felt like I was at a roadblock, like there's nothing I can do to help this person. And I didn't know what else to do. And so one day I had asked him, if you were in my, my shoes and you had someone like you come to you, what would you do to help them? And it was so easy for this person. He says, you know, Mr. Blonde, I do what you're doing. I listen. And it, sometimes we just, I think, underestimate the power of being present and mm -hmm. truly listening. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for us, especially when we have lots going on. I think that's how the, you know, the enemy doesn't get you to sin. He's going to try to distract you and keep you busy, mm -hmm. right? And so sometimes when we see our loved ones are going through something really difficult, or in our mind, maybe something minor, but difficult for that person on through their perspective, it's easy to say, I don't have time for this. Mm. It's harder to, like I said, be their Simon of Cyrene, where I'm going to pick up this cross with them, and we're just going to feel this together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, a reflection, a challenging reflection for all of you of how, how are you perhaps contributing to the ACEs in mm -hmm. your own home? Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's the other Part of the other side of this is understanding what you came from and understand what you're giving to those in your care. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe you, some of you out there are experiencing some, some really tough scenarios in the house or in the home. Maybe some of you are young adults or perhaps even, you know, we got people all over the place as far as who's watching this that may be experiencing these. And you got to, you know, you got to seek the right help and the right guidance. But a challenge for you, for instance, when I think about physical, emotional neglect. Mm hmm. You know, again, I, you guys probably think I pick on the guys a lot, but, you know, maybe you're working 16-hour days because you're trying to make that money, mm -hmm. right? And, and physically and emotionally, your spouse and your kids aren't being cared for. Well, that's an ace, mm -hmm. right, is that as we talked about before, you know, our wife and our kids don't need a landlord. They need, they need a husband and a father. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really critical for us to see how am I contributing to some of these. You know, maybe, you know, your coping mechanism is that you come home and you crack open a six-pack. Mm -hmm. And abuse, substance abuse is an ace, mm -hmm. right? I grew up in an alcoholic home and that was really rough and it led to domestic violence and all kinds of other things, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's not fair to impose that on somebody else. So aside from understanding uh, of, one, of one another, yourself first, and then of course your, your, your spouse and your children, what are you doing to contribute to some of those, those aces in mm -hmm. your own home and in your own life? Mm -hmm. And just, I think, questioning practices, you know, am I, is my home safe to share feelings and mm -hmm. thoughts? Mm -hmm. um, and what do I do when I have, when a loved one in my home, you know, shares maybe a dissenting thought or, or you know, um, a feeling where I'm thinking, mm, that was kind of interesting. Um, I don't really see it from their perspective. They're overreacting. How do I respond in those circumstances? Am I Christ-like? Mm -hmm. Am I being the Simonist I reign? And if I'm not, to be honest with myself and say, okay, now how can I do better? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the, the other, I think, final thing for me on this note is asking yourself in all of this, you know, we've shared a lot of information in the past two 
episodes, really, if you even take back to, um, as we continue these episodes, the family of origins, the comparison games, just there's a lot going on here, you know, the marriage is, is definitely complicated and difficult, but a, and, and a cross, but beautiful mm-hmm. at that and a gift. And um, so people that enter into it as a vacation, you're kidding yourselves, right? This is definitely a vocation and something that requires the grace of God to be able to, to, to do it right. But my question for all of you is, where's God and where's faith in your life on this one? Mm-hmm. Right? There's a lot of um, people that are very comfortable with compartmentalizing their faith. Mm-hmm. And, and some of them are even watching this video, right? Like, you know, okay, this is cool, this is nice, but what are you willing to do to change your marriage? What are you willing to do to change that, that perhaps mm, lukewarm relationship you have with your children? Right? If you're just going to sit there and, and point fingers or not really do anything about it, then you're just contributing to the challenges. And so it's, the other part is where's God and where's your faith in all of this? Is God at the center of your life? Because again, as Nicole stated uh, in, the, in the previous episode, and this one again would be that what's, that's a, the, me- the mechanism, the method of prevention and treatment, our faith, mm-hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 100%. So we hope um, that you enjoyed part two of the elephant in the living room. Hopefully those things uh, will help you out. Again, it's not an exhaustive list, but just a starting place, right? Don't don't have the wrong mindset approach, the attitude. Don't provoke or get defensive. Don't provoke uh, the people in, that are in your care. But do seek to understand. Do listen to them beyond even just the words or the reaction. Um, exercise empathy and, and sympathy, right? So enter into the depths of that grief or that suffering or that emotion with them and as always pray fast exercise the sacraments my goodness this is a sacrament for a reason right that we said we wholeheartedly believe that if it isn't uh, for the grace of god we could not do this here on this side of heaven so my dear friends we ask that you continue to like subscribe follow us on all of the social media accounts continue to give us your feedback continue to pray for us as we pray for you and until then we ask that you um you take this to heart you really start to do something um dive into this grow and heal and uh may god bless you and keep you always cheers to you